God's Little Brown Church Sermon Series featuring Pastor Andrew Chrysler. So Sister Iva talked about uh, when she called me and asked me to, to first join the prayer line. I remember that day I was uh, work camping, uh, was, had my camper at a campground and I was there working as part of, uh, part of having a place to stay for the summer. And I really enjoyed it. I was amazed that she'd get the phone. She'd make a phone call to call some strange guy in a state she'd never been to, just trying to find a way to uh, make a connection. And I think about what God has done in each and every one of our lives. I want to talk a bit about gifts today. And before you go into you know your mind getting your mind set on spiritual gifts, that's not where I'm going. But first off, I want to talk about how we deal with gifts in the natural. Um, if say you at work, you've got, uh, a bunch of people coming together and they want to have a Christmas party, or maybe it's a family gathering. Uh, one of the things people do sometimes I've heard it called a Yankee swap or a white elephant where everybody brings a gift, but you have no clue who the gift is going to. And they have a, a game, a plan to figure out who gets which present and who can swap with someone else's, however that works. But there's no thought going into the gift, except that you might end up getting your own gift at the end of the day, so you want to make sure it's okay. Another thing that will come up is they do a secret Santa. You'll have a bunch of people, whether it's a family or a work gathering or whatever, and you just draw a name. And this is not a person that you necessarily know or spend time with or have a deep relationship with. It's somebody you see from across the room. So how much thought goes into what that present will be? But if you get something that's handmade, and I just saw this thing come up uh, yesterday on the internet talking about handmade gifts, and when pers a person gives a handmade gift, it's not they're not being cheap. They're putting the time and effort and material and labor into something specifically for you. They're giving you something because they care, because they love you. My wife makes purses. She, she sews bags and purses, and she puts a lot of effort in it. So I get a chance to see some of what goes into a handmade gift. Back, uh, I have a nephew that's about 20 right now. Back when he was about five, I had this funny vision, uh, memory comp comes up in my mind as he's opening presents, and he'd come across something that he needed. He needed clothes. But as he opens a pack and it's got shirts and pants, he would just say clothes and throw them over his shoulder because it wasn't what he wanted. Now, I want to talk about the fact that things come up in our lives and we're not ready to accept them. They don't fit what we have in mind. And I want you to know that that's just like my, my nephew when he was five, rejecting something that he needed but wasn't what he wanted. Rejecting the gifts that, that gets placed in our lives is a sign of immaturity. Now, before I go too much farther, to the best of my knowledge, there's around 200, 220 people on this line. At least there will be by the time I get done speaking. And to the best of my knowledge, I've never met any of you. Um, I grew up, we lived in the Everglades until it was time for me to start school. I grew up in Hollywood, Florida, um, off the corner of 441 and Pembroke Road. And again, for most of the people on the line, that won't mean anything. But there's some people on the line that know exactly where that is. 
uh, at the at 5801 Funston Street, which is five blocks from where I grew up, is now a little uh, little Spanish church. But back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, it was the Bread of Life Church of Jesus Christ, a church that my grandfather and his twin brother and their wives actually physically built this church that I was growing up in until I came into puberty and couldn't quite match the things I knew to be right with the things going on in my life and walked out of church. I left the church at 17 and for 16 years didn't darken a door until I'd made such a mess out of my life that I finally stopped running. I finally gave up and said, God, I've always known you're real. I've always known you're real, but I never knew how to live for you. But if you can do anything with this life, it's yours. Somehow that led me from uh, at the time I was in California, I was in the Navy, and now I live six miles from the Canadian border. It warmed all the way up to 32 degrees here yesterday. For some of y'all, that's pretty warm, but for others of you, you wonder what in the world's going on. But I want to talk about gifts and the handmade gifts, and specifically, you are God's handmade gift to people around you. And the people around you are God's handmade gift to you. The people in our lives are a reflection of God's love. God knows what we need even when we don't want it. And if we're rejecting what God has brought into our life, just like my nephew Tanner, it's a sign of immaturity. James 1 verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God's gifts are good and perfect. God doesn't make junk. As we go through this life, as we face the things, as we encounter things, it might not fit our narrative. It might not fit our plan. It might not fit my desire. But it's still a gift from God. 2 Peter two, uh, 1, verses 2 through 4. Peter says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. God has given us everything we need. The question is, do we take advantage? Do we recognize what God has done and are we at work in us? Ephesians 4 verse 7 says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Again, handmade. You and I are handmade. It says, it says in Genesis that God formed Adam from the dust of the earth. It says in Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. It says in Psalms before that you are the one who formed my inward parts. The Bible lines up on this. God knit us together in our mother's womb. He sees our end from the beginning. He, he said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. We just read in Peter that he's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Keep, go, keep on going. In, in Ephesians 2.10, Scripture says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And, of course, we all know in Ephesians 4, it talks about how he gave some of 
some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Down in verse four, or chapter 4, verse 16, you hear uh, Pastor Baxter talk about this all the time, how every joint supplies. It says if every part does its share, doing its share causes the body to grow. I am a pastor not because I stand in the pulpit of my church. I am a pastor because God has given me a heart for his people. God has given me a heart to to for each and every one of us to draw closer, to grow together, to bring unity to the body of Christ, to to be the example to be the light that God has called us to be. I, my mandate is right here. My job is the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Each and every pastor, each and every prophet, each and every evangelist, each and every apostle, each and every teacher, our job, what we're made to do, and we're made different ways. Uh, we've got a guy in my church, and he is... He's a hardcore evangelist. Any conversation you have with him brings comes back to a salvation message. It doesn't matter what you're talking about. He is always at every every chance he meets somebody. That's his heart is to tell them about Jesus. My heart is to bring the body of Christ closer to grow together that the that the body be strengthened by what every joint supplies. It's how we're made. We're handmade by God. Each and every one of you, each and every person on this call and each and every person that you will meet is handmade by a sovereign God who loves you. And has a plan and purpose for your life. Uh, our prayer warrior, he, he talked about we're being how God strategically places us. You think about that. God put us in place. I never would have expected to be this close to the Canadian border. I was I was 17 before I ever left the state, and that was a school trip. I am from South Florida. I talked to one of my uh, one of the ladies in my church, and I mentioned South Florida, and she just starts laughing. Like, what do you, isn't all Florida south? Well, you know, all Florida is south from Vermont. But Florida is 500 miles long. It's as far from Jacksonville to Miami as it is from my house to down, Washington, down past Washington, D.C. The whole northeast is shorter than the state of Florida. Getting back onto this, in 1 Corinthians 12, beginning with verse 4, it says there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God that works all in all. But the manifestation is, of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. The, the work of the Spirit in our lives is for the benefit, is for the profit of other people for the profit of the people round about us. And we forget that sometimes. I don't know if you've ever met anybody who's, who's determined that they had a Jeremiah ministry. You know what I mean with Jeremiah ministry? Jeremiah 1, beginning with verse 9, says, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, to build and to plant. Do you know anybody 
that seems to be their mission is to root out and pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to tear down things, to tear down people. We are called to build up people. We are called to encourage our brothers and sisters. I see a lot of things going on. In fact, uh, uh, I've got a church here in my town, and um, they're of the belief that the King James Version is the only version of the Bible that's any good. They're all else garbage. And I understand what they're saying, but back when I was a missionary, back when I, uh, after I'd come back to the Lord, I was a missionary. I was in Israel for a year and a half. But on my way to Israel, we were stopping in other countries and passing out Bibles. And when we were in the Ukraine, as we're passing out Bibles, and this is right after the, uh, the Iron Curtain had come down, Ukraine had just recently been opened up to missionaries. And as we're passing out Bibles, they're tearing the Bibles in half so that they can share them. And I was just so humbled by that. They're so hungry for the Word of God, but they want to make sure everybody gets a part of the Word of God. And I had this thought, how would you like to be the person that got the genealogies? What in the world can the genealogies of God's Word tell us? And God gave me an insight. The genealogies tell us God knows where we came from. The genealogies tells us God knows our past. And as He knows our past, He holds our future. And I was sharing that in our church one day. We had this lady that was visiting, and uh, her, her sister was attending. She was visiting with her sister. And as I'm talking about that, later that day, she gets, when she got back home, she called her sister, and she said, You know, just this morning, as I was reading in the Bible, I came across the genealogies, and I said, God, why did you even put these in here? I asked that question this morning, and your pastor answered it, never knowing it was there. We don't know how God is going to use us in people's lives. But God has uniquely gifted and equipped us, and we are handmade gifts to one another. And the people around you, as I said, are handmade gifts to you. Over in Galatians chapter 6, it says, Brethren, if, anyone, if a man is overtaken in any trespass... You who are spiritual, restore such a one with a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, yes, you, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not another. And God said what, what he calls clean, we don't get to call unclean. What God calls precious, we don't get to despise. God so loved the whole world that he sent Jesus. Each and every person is precious to him. Each and every person is handmade by him. And we are called into this world to be lights. We are called into this world to be representatives from heaven. We are called into this world to be handmade gifts in people's lives. I want you to think about something. In the book of Job, in chapter 1, it says, chapter 1, verse 1, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and shunned evil. Job had a reputation. Job was the most righteous person in the East. Job was well known. In fact, God bragged on him. When, when Satan came up before, before the Lord, before God, and, and said, I've been going to and fro throughout the earth. 
And God said, have you considered my servant Job? If we go back to thinking that God, that every good and perfect gift comes from above and comes down from the Father of lights, how in the world can we reconcile that from our understanding with God sicking Satan on Job? said, go ahead and test him, and then go ahead and take everything that he has, and then go ahead and touch his health, just don't take his life. We can't, I can't wrap my mind around that until I, t- I take, step back and take a, big, take a big look from the beginning to the end. Job 1, he's the most righteous man in, in the land. Job 1.20, Job says, The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job 2 verse 10 says, Should we accept good from the hand of God and not adversity? Job 19 verse 25 says, I know that my Redeemer lives and will stand on the earth in that last day. And in my eyes, I will see him. In my flesh, I will see him. Mine eyes and not another. Job is declaring he knows who God is. But when we get to Job 42 verses 5 and 6, Job says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you and therefore I abhor myself or I hate myself. And I repent in dust and ashes. Job, the most righteous man in the whole land, needed a deeper revelation of God and needed to see in light of the holiness of God his own shortcomings. Because until then, he was was saying, look, God just won't answer me. I don't know why God's allowing this to happen. I'm not doing anything wrong. And he went to the point where he finally said... God is being unjust. And God says, now I got you. Now I have your attention. God allows things in our life for a purpose. And we may never know that purpose until we're there in heaven. Where we can declare with Paul, one day I will know even as also I am known. But I do know that no matter what comes into my life, it comes into my life from the sovereign hand of an almighty God who loves me. He has shown himself faithful in every way. There is nothing I have put... Put before the Lord, there's no test of Scripture, there's nothing that I've done that God hasn't revealed Himself to be right, to be real, revealed Himself to be holy, revealed Himself to have my good in mind. Not necessarily my, uh, my pleasure, not necessarily my comfort, but my good. Psalmist said at one point, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. Sometimes we need, God needs to get our attention. In Romans 12, beginning with verse 3, it says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Back when I was down in Atlanta, after I'd come back from Israel, I was uh, 
in Decatur, Georgia. I was uh, with Love and Action Ministries, Dr. Robert and Joyce Dunson. And we held services in uh, Atlanta Union Mission. And one of the things I heard often was the quote, God don't bless no mess. And that's the, the thought that if, if the Spirit of the Lord is working, then or it appears that God's blessing is on somebody, then they can't have a messed up life. But we just talked about Job. How, even though he was the most righteous man around, there was still something lacking. There was still a need of repentance in Job. We can't look at our lives and see the blessing of God and just assume everything is okay. We are called to examine ourselves regularly, repeatedly, all the time. We're called to lift up others, to exhort one another. We're not, we're not given a Jeremiah ministry to root out and to tear down and to destroy. We're called to bear one another's burdens. We're called to lift one another up. We're called to exhort and encourage one another. We're called to do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. Because Romans 11.29 says, The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. King James says, without repentance. God does not change his mind in how he made us. He does not change his mind in what he's called us to do. The question is, are we walking, are we doing what God has called us to do? Are we living as God has called us to live? Are we being the light that God has called us to be? And we can't rely on someone else pointing out the faults. There's a, there's a scripture that says, it talks about the rock, and it says, He who falls on the rock will be broken, but to whom the rock falls on, that person will be crushed. As we fall upon the word of God, as we fall upon Jesus Christ, we are broken, and we get to say, Lord, heal me. Lord, fix me. But when we are so stubborn, we do not allow the word of God to penetrate our heart. When I am so stubborn, I do not allow the word of God to penetrate my heart. God is still going to get my attention, but it's not necessarily going to be a fun thing. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says to examine yourselves as to whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourself that Jesus Christ is in you unless you are disqualified? We're called to test ourselves and examine ourselves. In James 1, verses 18 to 20, it says, Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his, of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of God does not produce the righteousness of God. Every person in every situation in your life come with God's permission, God's gift. You are God's gift to everyone around you. We're called to be a precious, treasured gift. As we allow God to work in our hearts, as we allow God to work in our circumstances, as we submit ourselves to the Lord, submit ourselves to, a, to his word, examine ourselves in accordance with that word and apply it to our lives. Say, Lord, I'm falling short in this area. Lord, I need you to change me. Lord, change my heart. But we're willing to humble ourselves, to be broken before the Lord. Then we allow God to work in our lives. But God's going to do his will. God is going to work. It might not 
be the path that we wanted to take. There was 16 years that I did not darken a church door. I walked out of church because I didn't know how to live for the Lord. And in that 16 years, I was electrocuted twice. I was shot at. I was stabbed. I had a marriage fall completely apart. My life was in utter shambles. I was a drunk. I was a sailor and every bad thing you've ever heard about a sailor, that was me. But I finally reached the point where I said, I can't do this anymore. I need you to change my heart. If you can do anything with this life, it's yours. And when I came to that point, it was just like I turned around and God was right there with open arms, wrapping his arms around me. I went from cussing to speaking in tongues in a matter of minutes because God had a plan and a purpose for my life. I was 12 years old. I was in a sugarcane field um, between South Bay and Belle Glade, Florida, on the back, uh, south side of uh, Lake Okeechobee. And I got bitten by a cottonmouth moccasin and should have died. I had my brother and my cousin with me. I, I sent them to get help. And by the time help came back, I was fine. But in the meantime, as I'm sitting there, knowing I'm about to die, I see the color fade out of everything. So that there was just shapes, and then the shapes faded, so there was just light. And I heard God said, I've called you to preach my word. And everything faded back into place. 45 minutes later, my dad got there, and I was perfectly fine. And I thought my brother knew what had happened. I didn't know until just a year ago that he had no idea why I'd sent dad to get, get help that day. He didn't even know it. But I'd had a four foot long, highly venomous snake hanging from my hand and I should have died, but God had a plan. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for the life of the people you interact with. You are God's handmade gift to them and they are God's handmade gift to you. And even if you don't understand what's going on, trust that the God who loves you, who knit you in your mother's womb, who knows your end from the beginning, who knows exactly what we need, is at work in the circumstance. And give Him praise. Because we will spend eternity with Him praising him in revelation when uh, jesus prevailed to open the seals and, uh, the lamb uh the lion of the tribe of judah the, the lamb who had been slain had prevailed to open the book the four beasts and the four and twenty elders cast their crowns before him and said you are worthy for you have redeemed us out of every nation tribe and tongue people all over the world through all generations are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and by God working in our lives. And we are called to be witnesses to that. We are called to be faithful ambassadors from heaven. How we treat other people is a reflection of what we believe about God. We don't get to call what God has called clean. We don't get to call it unclean. What God calls precious we don't get to despise. Bear one another's burdens. Encourage one another. Lift one another up. Recognize the people around you that they are God's handmade gift in your life. 
and be thankful because God knows what he's doing even when I don't, even when you don't. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit glbcdt.org.